0: Hey everyone, the It's All Journalism team wanted to remind you that we have an email newsletter where you can get all the latest news about our podcast. Go to our website, itsalljournalism.com and follow the link to subscribe. Thanks and enjoy the episode.
1: In the end, uh, they did walk back that hardline position on work from home and recognize that you know the way we work in the future does have to be different from the way we've worked in the past.
0: Journalists working for Washingtonian magazine recently voted to unionize their newsroom. One of their concerns was the company's demand for all employees to return to the office after working at home due to the pandemic. I'm Michael O'Connell. Welcome to It's All Journalism. Editorial employees at the Washingtonian magazine recently voted to be represented by the Washington Baltimore News Guild. The magazine's editors, writers, and creative staff are now members of their own union, the Washingtonian Guild. Today, I'm joined by Assistant Editor Daniela Bike and Food Editor Jessica Sidman. They're here to talk about what led to the magazine staff deciding to form their own union. Daniela and Jessica, welcome to It's All Journalism.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having us.
0: So, first of all, I like to get to know people when they come on the the podcast. So, Daniela, let's start with you. What got you interested into journalism, and how did you end up at The Washingtonian?
2: Yes. So I came to journalism through a love of food. I started writing for my university's food magazine and quickly realized, hey, I want to be doing this all the time. So after I graduated, I wanted to keep making magazines. I grew up reading Washingtonian. It was a natural fit that I would apply for the editorial fellowship. Started in that position about three years ago, got hired as assistant editor a few months later. And I have been at the magazine ever since.
0: How about you, Jessica? You know, same questions. You know, what got you interested in journalism, and how'd you end up at uh, the Washingtonian?
2: I'm one of those nerds
1: who was uh, on her high school newspaper and have stuck with journalism ever since then. I first came to Washingtonian more than a decade ago, actually, after I had graduated college as an intern. Back then, we were only called interns. Now they're fellows, which is much fancier. But so I was there for a short stint, and then I went off and did a bunch of other things. I covered trade associations and nonprofits, ended up covering food, and came back to Washingtonian as a food editor about five years ago. So,
0: you know, for people who don't live in the Washington, D.C. area, you know, I, I know what Washingtonian is as many people in this area do know, how would you describe the magazine? What's its mission?
2: Yes. So we are a regional magazine for the DC area. So that is DC, Maryland, and Virginia. And we provide resources, um, readers with information and resources to kind of maneuver through life in Washington. So that might be where to find a vaccine during COVID or where to find a great dinner and our staff itself, it's about 50 people across the entire magazine, 20 of which are editors, writers, and creatives, which is the group that unionized. And across all of the departments, these are really hardworking people who are putting together both a print magazine each month while also populating the website every day.
0: You mentioned COVID. What was sort of the situation with the magazine last year when you know, there were a lot of restrictions in place and, and many people couldn't go into their offices?
2: Yeah, so we moved to a fully remote kind of setting, had to figure out how to put together a magazine when we were all apart. And we have continued to kind of be in that remote workplace, a little bit of hybrid now that things are opening up a little bit again. But we're still making the magazine from home, you know, trying to keep up with that fast paced news during COVID especially, and just keeping making that product that our readers love.
0: You know, I imagine that there were challenges, but you know, how successful do you think the Washington Union was at, at you know doing that?
1: Yeah, I think we actually had one of our strongest years ever, amazingly. I mean, a lot of people were home and needed news and we were providing that. So our traffic was through the roof. We had just a really dedicated team that was out, you know reporting on the protests last summer and important news about various closures and and then reopenings and government mandates. And I just think, you know, some of the the issues we put out in print also just some really stunning, memorable photography and design and some really memorable stories. So I, amazingly, it was uh, editorially, I think, one of our best years, even though it was incredibly hard.
0: So, Jessica, what was the, the challenge around covering food during the pandemic?
1: First of all, a huge news story, right? <laughs> all, all the restaurants shut down. You know, personally, you know, it was, it was a huge challenge. I think it was a challenge for so many of our staff. You know, I, I had a less than one-year-old at home. So, you know, covering the biggest stories of my career uh, while also taking care of a young child, who I had to pull out of daycare, that was definitely difficult. And I know there are a lot of other parents who were struggling with the same thing uh, on staff and, 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 you know, not just at the magazine, but, you know, no matter where you worked, that's something that so many of us have been dealing with, but, you know, it, it kind of shifted, you know, we, we went from, I think I was working on a story about the best waterfront restaurants you know, a guide to the best waterfront restaurants. And then suddenly, I'm writing about, is everyone going to go out of business? You know, are 75% of independent restaurants actually going to close? So it, it was a very jarring time.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and there's a reason, you know, a reason I'm, I'm sort of asking all these questions about COVID and, and how the, the staff pivoted when presented with this challenge, the CEO of Washingtonian, Kathy Merrill, wrote an editorial in May that a lot of people in the journalism industry are probably familiar with. And I guess the thesis of her editorial was, you know, being an executive, being the CEO of a company, she wanted to have her workers back in her office. And it was time for you know, her employees to, to stop working remotely and, you know, fill the, the newsroom again, you know, like it was pre-COVID. And my understanding is that that didn't play well. Well, it certainly didn't play well in a lot of discussions across social media, people interested in journalism, but it didn't necessarily play well with the staff of The Washingtonian. What was, what was the reaction to that editorial?
2: Kind of, as I mentioned, it's this small, hardworking staff that has really stepped up to the moment during COVID really worked hard to get these really pivotal updates out there. And it was really disappointing to read in this huge newspaper what really felt like a a veiled threat to our livelihoods. It really hurt to read. And so, you know, we came together and we agreed to take part in this one-day work stoppage, opting not to post any content the day after the op-ed was published just to kind of show, hey, we don't agree with this. This hurt to read.
1: Just to echo Daniela, you know, it was very demoralizing to read and and one of the things that she'd written was that, you know, if employees aren't working in the office full time, five days a week, that employers have an incentive to turn them into contractors and not pay them benefits and other, you know, important parts of our, our livelihoods. So, you know, yeah, that was that was scary for us. We were wondering, okay, are our benefits at risk? You know, are, are our jobs at risk? And so, yeah, we felt like we had to say something, you know, as public as her op-ed was.
0: It's almost as if she didn't know what had happened in the last 10 to 15 years in, in journalism, but also in the way offices are, are changing. You know, one of the, the lessons that sort of came out of... The pandemic was that when pressed when needed, newsrooms and just any office can learn to adapt and continue to work. So this idea of, this is me pontificating, this idea that you have to be in a specific spot for a specific period of time in order for you to be a full-time employee especially when you know now we have journalism we have so many different tools available to us to meet with people to interview people to post instantly wherever we're at it seems like a really you know sort of old journalism thinking old business thinking you know that's my two cents so what was the what was the immediate effect of the uh, work stoppage
1: I will say, you know, a lot of people have said that that's the reason that we ended up unionizing. I do want to clarify, you know, that there are a lot, a number of things that have driven the union. just to mention a few of them briefly, we have a number of staff who make less than 40 K, which is really a barely livable wage in a city as expensive in DC. And, And we're expected to be authorities on this region. So we truly believe that everyone who works here should be able to afford to live here. You know, diversity was another big issue. The DC area is incredibly diverse and we want our staff to reflect that. And we wanna have more concrete policies that will encourage that. And I don't wanna go too far down a rabbit hole, but there are a number of other policies and benefits that we think could be better and more on par with our media peers. But I, I will say about the op-ed, it was a catalyst in a lot of ways for the union because it just hit home how important it was for us to have a stronger voice. You know, No one had, had asked us under what circumstances we would feel comfortable returning to the office or whether we thought flexible schedules were a good idea. And when we, we did that strike, we saw the power when we all stood together in solidarity. And there you know, were some positive outcomes from that. You know, After the backlash, management did put together a committee of people from different departments to discuss our return to the office plan. And there was a staff-wide survey about it. And in the end, they did walk back that hardline position on work from home and recognize that, you know, the way we work in the future does have to be different from the way we've worked in the past.
0: You I know, mean, how universal was the sense in the newsroom that something needed to change and maybe the answer would be unionizing?
1: Ever since I'd been at the magazine, there had been chatter about unionizing and I think it's kind of picked up and dropped off over the years, at different moments. But, you know, I think th- this was just kind of the moment that we all seized upon that, like, this is the time that we should do something.
0: Was it difficult to convince everybody, you know, who was affected by this, the staff members, the editors, the, the reporters to do this? Or is there a sense of unanimity at the beginning?
1: No, it, it really was not that difficult to get everyone on board with the union. Um, you know, we all had been texting, chatting after the op-ed and we're all in communication. And, you know, when the idea came up, we started having a bunch of meetings just, you know, on on Zoom and what have you. And from the get go, almost every single person was on board and it's stayed that way from you know the beginning to now. You know, everyone felt like that was the right thing to do, and we've stuck together ever since.
0: So how do you form a union? I mean, I you know, I could sit there and say, Yeah, I think it'd be a good idea to to form a union, but what was the process that you had to go through? I mean, this is end of May, beginning of June, and here we are in August you know, what steps did you have to take? What decisions had to be made?
2: Yes. So we were kind of ahead of the game because through that work stoppage, we already kind of had this solidarity going. So while a lot of unions start with a few people kind of having to go around and say, hey, this is what we're trying to do. We started off with really this critical mass of staff members who felt this was the right pathway forward. So from there, we started doing our research, talking to other journalists and unions, kind of going down that reporting rabbit hole to see who we should unionize with. We opted for the Washington Baltimore News Guild. We've been working with an amazing representative from the News Guild as we've moved this process forward. And from there, we started signing union cards, indicating that members of our potential bargaining unit We're interested in being represented by that union, coming together to organize, to talk about how we're going to go about going public, things like that. And from there, we had our big announcement day. We were told pretty much immediately that the union wouldn't be voluntarily recognized. So we said, hey, time to charged forward towards the election. We kept organizing, empowering the voting block with information. So anything from, hey, this is the role of a union in a workplace to how to fill out a ballot properly. And we just kept organizing and kept the momentum going all the way through the election, which was just last week. And as you may know, the final tally of that was a 15 yes to no, which really affirmed what we knew from the start, which was that this union drive had broad support across our newsroom.
0: When you say election, I mean, how is that officiated? What is it that you need to do?
2: So basically the
1: way it works is your employer can ideally voluntarily recognize the union, which in our case did not happen. And in that situation, the union can have a vote with the national labor relations board. And if you win the election, your employer is required legally required to recognize the union and then negotiate a contract with those employees in good faith.
0: So you've had your election, you've won. Have you begun contract negotiations at this point?
2: We haven't started yet. We are still kind of figuring out who will be going to the bargaining table to represent the union and really figuring out what our priorities are going to be once we get to that bargaining table.
0: You know, I know we kind of touched a little bit on it about the conditions before you decided to form a a union. In specific or in as broad terms as you feel are are necessary, what are the main points that you think as you're going forward with this contract that you would want to pursue?
1: You know, a little bit like I mentioned bringing up some of the base salary for our junior staff who are making in some cases well under 40k is something that we've talked about again you know policies to encourage diversity better parental leave um, you know more explicit editorial independence policies there's a long list of things that we've discussed and We're in the process of of surveying our members to see, you know, what's going to be the most important to them and what we actually really want to push for in this contract. So that's a bit of a work in progress.
0: Do you have a sense of how long this might take?
1: You know, some negotiations can take a year or two. You know, the management at Washingtonian has made it clear that they are not going to rush this. That they may draw it out for quite a while. So we, you know, we're in it for the long haul. As long as it takes, we'll be there.
0: So what would you say to other newsrooms who think that maybe unionizing would be a good thing?
1: You know, I feel like journalism is one of these professions where you put up with a lot for the cachet, right? There's kind of an attitude that You should just be happy or lucky to have a job writing for a publication. So a lot of times people, yeah, do put up with, you know, poor salaries and poor conditions. And, you know, employers can get away with that. But I do think there is a movement now where more workers are saying, more journalists are saying, you know, actually... These things are important and we deserve to have them and we're going to stick up for ourselves and there's more to life than just the great byline. So, you know, I, I, I don't know, every, every newsroom is different, so I, I can't say, you know, if it's the right or wrong decision for everyone, but I am hopeful that it's the right decision for us.
0: Let me play a little devil's advocate here. You know, we, I think we all know that journalism is, is in tough times. It's still struggling. Many places are struggling to, publications are staying, uh, struggling to stay afloat. Are unions, do you think, could they be viewed as counterproductive to a business being able to function if it has to sort of respond to, you know, maybe demands for greater pay, et cetera?
2: I think these things actually are going to help the entire industry be stronger and grow stronger. I think that they will help retain really talented journalists, some who are pushed out of this industry because the conditions are just unsustainable. So I think having these demands and meeting them strengthens our newsrooms, strengthens the industry, gives us a pathway forward and one where people can really make a career out of this.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we recognize that this is a tough industry and this is a, you know, we're coming off a really hard year, but I do think that just having that voice at the table so that when things do go sour, you know, financially that we can protect people, whether, you know, it's severance or or whatever it is. There's a great example with the Slate Union where they were going to, lay off a bunch of employees and the union was able to come up with this idea, you know, kind of a work share program. So everyone would take a certain amount of furlough and then, you know, they could save jobs and those people could also, you know, apply for unemployment benefits at the time. So a union can help come up with some creative solutions when they're is a bad financial situation that are both good for the company and good for the workers.
0: This all sounds really fascinating and and encouraging. I'm real happy that you were successful in, in sort of launching this union. I think obviously just voting for it is not not the end of it. You've got a lot of work ahead of you, but it sounds like you know what direction you want to go in. Jessica Danielle, thanks for coming on the podcast.
2: Thank you so much. For Thank you, you so us. much.
0: You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter. You'll get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming interviews. Go to itsalljournalism.com to subscribe. Speaking of subscribing, you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and